Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the January transfer window roundup. And to help us go through it all, I'm joined by BBC Radio Newcastle's Matthew Raisbeck, the Newcastle United matchday commentator covering the club home and away. We talk about Newcastle's five signings last month, what it means for the players already at the club, and if Newcastle have done enough in their fight for survival. This is the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, and today I'm joined by BBC Newcastle's Matthew Raisbeck, the match day commentator covering Newcastle United home and away. First of all, Matthew, thank you for popping on to the podcast. How are you doing? Very well. It's nice to be with you. Thanks for having me. And it's nice to be able to talk about Newcastle in a positive light, especially after January transfer window, because as we both know, in years gone by, if I'd invited you on a couple of days after deadline day, there would have been nothing positive to talk about and it would have been a very down-the-dumps episode. But however, we can be positive because Newcastle have signed five players, being the club that has spent the most money across Europe. So how have you rated the January transfer window for Newcastle United? Well, you make a good point because it's very different now, isn't it? And uh, the last month was um, certainly busy. I mean, more rumours and links than ever from all around the world. And they got more transfer business done than than they would have in the past under um, the ownership of Mike Ashley. So, yeah, it was very different. I'm glad the window's closed because it can get a bit draining and a bit tiring. Um and there was obviously a frantic end to the window, not just at Newcastle, but everywhere. But I suppose it was nice that they participated in a big way this time. And to get five in, I think is really good. You might say that they probably would have been even better off with another centre-half. Of course, that was the priority. And, and we know of some of the players that they really tried hard to get but couldn't. And another forward player as well, and and ultimately being unable to get uh, either Jesse Lingard or Hugo Ekintike in before the deadline. Um, so I think that would have made it a, almost a perfect window. But the five that they've got, very happy. Um, Kieran Trippier, top level signing, and set a um, set a really good tone for the window. Chris Wood, I think, brought in out of necessity, but has attributes and qualities that the team needs. And then things went a bit quiet in the middle of the window and uh, there was probably some nervousness and some anxiety among the fan base because of the need for new signings. But then the win over Leeds helped and uh, to get a a player of the quality of uh, Bruno Guimaraes in is uh, something that I think is really impressive and, and we're all looking forward to seeing him. And then the two on deadline day, I've always liked Matt Target. I think he's been consistently good for Aston Villa and um, will strengthen Newcastle in that position. And Dan Byrne, well, he'll certainly give them height and presence at the back and playing in a team like Brighton 
has to be good on the ball. And that's something Newcastle need as well. So, yeah, the five they've got in, I think they've done good business and um, they've given themselves a much better chance now. We've got plenty of questions that have been sent in by our listeners about various players that have been signed this month. We'll start with Chris Wood there. Now, Dan has asked, do we think Newcastle are short of goals? And that probably leads into, do Newcastle need to change their kind of style of play to make sure they get the best out of Wood? Because I do agree with Dan's point. I do think Newcastle are short of goals. You've mentioned that it would have been good to get in another forward player. Um, what, what do you make of those those questions? Uh, it's a perfectly fair question. Um, Chris Wood is different to what they have up front in Callum Wilson and Dwight Gale, even though Gale doesn't get much of a look in. And then you've had Alan Sam Maxima playing through the middle. And um, you think even Jacob Murphy did for a, a little bit under Eddie Howe um, in, in games earlier this month. So, yeah you have to play to his strengths because he is different to what they have. But I remember talking to Eddie Howe about this and he said that he's always liked a bigger striker and he signed a few of them at Bournemouth. Um, Jan Kermagrant and uh, Dominic Solanke being two of them. So he's happy to have a player like that. I think when you've got quality from both sides with Kieran Trippier and his delivery and Matt Target on the left being able to put balls in, there should be chances for him to use his height. But then when you think about linking up the play and, and the rest of Newcastle's game, Wood's probably not going to run away from any defender or run in behind in the way that maybe Wilson or others could do. So, yeah, he might need a defeat and then there might have to be some, some tweaks and some changes to the way that they play. But when we saw at Leeds, um, I think there was a stat, wasn't there, from the, from the weekend that Chris Wood won the most um, aerial duels as they describe or define it so look it's another option when Wilson's fit you wouldn't think that he would be first choice but he has a record of scoring goals in the Premier League not so much this season obviously with only three but in previous years he got into double figures and you know over the next month six weeks with Wilson out they're going to need him they had to get somebody and if it wasn't Chris Wood and yes they paid a lot of money to release him from his Burnley contract I'm not sure who else they would have been able to get. So um, I think it was an important signing. And look, hopefully after two games, um, we'll now start to see a bit more from him. Yeah, we've seen glimpses in that Leeds game, I think, of what he can offer. But it's just going to be so interesting, you know, the games he does play before Wilson gets back, if they can get the best out of him. Because you do have players in that Newcastle United side who like to play on the floor, they like to keep the ball. I mean, obviously, I'm talking about Alan St. Maxman, maybe, uh, mainly, sorry. And it's going to be interesting to see if he changes his game slightly because you feel that if Newcastle are going to change the style of play, you are then, in many ways, going to nullify the effect of Alan St. Maxman, who is the biggest threat on the pitch. So, in some ways, it's a, it's a very difficult uh, move for, for Eddie Howe and, and, and I'm really intrigued to see what he does over the next few weeks. Yeah, well, he's got five players to accommodate now and the new signings have all come in to play. So you would think that there would be probably significant changes to the way that the team looks with personnel. So some will have to go out in order for the, the five new boys to be put in. And then it's about what does that mean for the way that Newcastle play? The overall approach, you can't see changing, can you? 
you know, Trippier, we know what we're going to get from him. We've already seen him a few times. Um, target, I think we'll, we'll try to do the same down the left-hand side. Um, and as I've already mentioned, Burn at the back. Well, you know, I would have liked to, another centre-half to come in, but Burn's been playing regularly and doing really well in a team that's been better than Newcastle this season in Brighton. Um, and we've all, I'm sure, read and heard a lot about what coming back to Newcastle means for him. Um, to have a, a bit more protection and quality in central midfield through uh, Bruno Guimaraes is going to be really key because the centre of midfield is an area I think that's needed looking at for a while. Um, changing, refreshing, if you like, because that's what clubs do. Newcastle haven't really done it. They haven't moved their team on and developed it in the way that other clubs have. And then Chris Wood, going back to what we've just been saying, obviously to change a style of play to accommodate one player is probably not something they would do. So they have to strike a balance between going through Alan Sam Maxima like they tend to do because he can give you moments and quality and win your games or in the case of Manchester United and Watford, almost win your games and be the difference and also get the best out of a new player. I mean, if something when I'm sitting next to John Anderson during the commentary, he always says with Sam Maxima, whoever's up front, sometimes he just needs to put it in first time or shift it and then cross it rather than try and beat more players. Now, if there's deliveries into the box for Chris Wood in the air, great. But on the floor, you know, that would be fine as well. Not every time Burnley got him in was, was in the air. So, you know, if the ball's coming quickly for him, then he will hopefully get the chances that, that Newcastle will need and then, then he can put them away. And they do create chances, this team. And just the criticism had been, uh, and even under Steve Bruce, and I'm thinking back to Watford away in September in particular, and they had 26 shots and drew 1-1 and should have won. They do create chances. They just haven't been taking them. On Dan Byrne, then, obviously, arrives deadline day, and your Cass United fan had a season ticket. He was on the books for a wee while before he was released at the age of 11. You mentioned there, been playing very well for Brighton. He's worked his way up the league, uh, up the league system, which shows a really good uh, you know, sense of character that he's got. Um, but, and we've got a few people asking similar questions on Dan Byrne. Do you see him being a long-term member of this, you know, Start eleven because we know Newcastle were after bottom. We know they were after Carlos, and it's likely we think they'll probably go back in the summer for at least one of them. So, where does that leave Dan Byrne? If he, you know, even if he has a bit of brilliant end to this season, you know, is he going to become suddenly, you know, third, fourth choice? It's a good question. Yeah, and you know, even though he hasn't kicked a ball yet for Newcastle, you can understand why supporters are asking about it because. At the beginning of the window, it was all about Sven Botman and then it was about Diego Carlos and then they end up with Dan Byrne. I want to say for him, I think it's an absolutely fantastic move and I'm sure we're all delighted for him. We can see just how special this transfer is for the player coming back and a chance he thought he would probably never get. And he's done it the hard way as well. And like you say, that is deserving of respect and admiration to basically start again and come all the way back up to the top. Um, I think probably it's up to him. And I think that's, I guess, what Eddie Howe would say. 
if he comes in and impresses and does well and shows that um, he makes the team and the defence better, then maybe they'll sign more defenders in the summer. And you would think, yeah, you're right, they'll go back in certainly for Botman and maybe Diego Carlos as well or instead of, and perhaps others too. Um, well, why can't they play alongside him if if he does well enough? Um, look, his height is not a bad thing, is it? Whether they're defending or they're attacking and the ability on the ball that he has to, to you know, carry it out from the back, um, I think could be important as well in the way that Eddie Howe wants to play. The big question that I have now, and it's something we discussed on, on our total sport phone in last night on BBC Radio Newcastle was, um, and I was sitting on the fence of it. I was going to say that I was listening. Yeah. I was listening last night and you asked if we could sit on the fence and you were told by Simon, you're not allowed. And it's the same rule here. No sitting yeah. on the fence. Well, yeah, I, answer, I ended up answering the question with a question because I wasn't <laughs> sure. It's who do they play alongside Burn now? Because there are some fans that feel, and uh, with some justification, that Jamal Lascelles, the captain, might need to come out of the team. And Burn and, and Fabian Share would be a good combination because Share's had a couple of good games and was excellent at Leeds. But then you've got Federico Fernandez coming back, who I've always been a big fan of, but. Steve Bruce, Graham Jones and Eddie Howe have tended not to pick him this season. Um, and then he's been injured. And and uh, as I said on the radio last night, for years, I've wanted Paul Dummett to play inside as that left-sided centre-half. But then they've just signed Dan Byrne. And they probably wouldn't put two left-footed players together. You don't normally see that, even though you might have two right-sided centre-halves. And we don't think Eddie Howe's going to play with a, a three or a five, do we? Certainly not regularly. So that's going to be really interesting what happens there. Uh, but as a new signing, if Byrne doesn't play, that that would be a shock. But I, like I say, I think it's, it's just up to him. He'll be desperate to do well. Um, he's shown he can play well in the Premier League for a team that has been improving in Brighton. So I'm, I'm just really looking forward to seeing him and seeing what he gives the team. The Jamal Sell's question is a very interesting one because he's had a lot of stick this this season, I think in many ways you were hoping that Newcastle would go out and sign a top, top quality centre-back and that would then improve his game. But what they've done is they've gone and signed a good centre-back in Dan Byrne, but I don't think he's at the level, you know, the top level in which maybe someone um, like maybe they thought Carlos was. I'm not, I've not seen much of him, but you, you know you know what I'm getting at there. Um, and lots of people talk about Trippier and the leadership he's brought. Um, so uh, there's quite a, quite a, um, a push on, on, especially on social media, for Trippier to be given the armband and sells to drop out. But dropping your captain with you know your side right in the, the midst of this fight for survival, I mean, that is a big, big call. It will be a huge call. One, I'm sure that he's not afraid to make. Remember, Lascelles was actually out of the team for the first match of the season, wasn't he? Steve Bruce had him, I think, on the bench against West Ham, although he had been coming back from, from an injury over the summer. So I think that was the reason given as to why he didn't didn't play, and then he was he was brought back in. But um, you know, when he's been fit, he has tended to play Lascelles. And look, there's no doubt that he gives the team something. And I think certainly, definitely a few years ago, um, he was one of the most popular players. He, he's been one of the most important players, and and played a huge role over the last five or six years. Um, 
I know some fans have a, a bit of a downer on him at the moment um, and Newcastle need to be better in defence. So, yeah, there's going to be focus on him. Um, yeah, it's just going to be really interesting to see what Eddie Howe does um, and, and you know, who plays. I think at the minute you would say it's two from three with Cher, Lascelles and Byrne. Um, with Fernandez not quite fit yet, is he? That's certainly the last information that was given. I just want to say quickly as well about Kieran Clark because, um, understandably, after the red card against Norwich, there was a lot of criticism of Clark, and then he got the sending off while they were in Saudi Arabia too, um, and expected now not to be in the the squad for the second half of the season, turning down the chance to go on deadline day. Over the last six years. Clark, for me, has been one of um, probably the most underrated performers in the team. Personally, opinion, in the championship season, I thought he was their most consistent player. I thought he was brilliant. And, you know, we're lucky enough, well, prior to the pandemic, to have access to players and talk to them before and after games. Kieran Clark was always one of the most approachable and friendliest and nicest to deal with. And you can see that he's a good guy and that he has the respect of his teammates. Um, so if he is to be left out of the squad, it would be a sad way to end this um, part of his Newcastle career. And uh, he's been getting a lot of criticism. Much of it, I think, is unfair. You, you understand when a player makes a mistake and gets sent off, why fans will be angry because they would have won that Norwich game with 11, but they nearly did win it with 10. So, um yeah, I just wanted to mention Kieran Clark because, um, you know, over the years, his contribution has been, I think, fantastic and he's probably exceeded expectations. And obviously it hasn't gone as well for him recently as, as you would have liked. But he came on at Leeds and played an important role in Newcastle getting that, that vital result. So I hope that isn't forgotten either. No, uh, fingers crossed. And and I think a lot of the frustrations, Matthew, came as a whole about the defence, and that's why it's important Trippi has come in and we've seen quite quickly the leadership he brings, the organisation, which is key. Now, Matt Target is said to be a bit more of a quiet character, so it'll be interesting to see if he brings a voice to that back line because, I mean, the defence needed to be strengthened. There was no ifs or buts. Now, they've brought three players in, but have they done enough, in your view, to show up the defence? Because at times, over the last few months, it has just been it's been a sinking ship because they've been leaking so many goals. We've seen centre-backs just throw their hands up in the air when it, they think it's offside and it's nowhere near offside. And, you know, we've seen everyone rush towards the ball, which has been a big frustration of mine. And, you know, I feel the first thing you, you learn when you're a kid, you, you know, not every man rushes towards the ball, but we've seen that. We've seen players get beaten with the ball over the top. There's been so much wrong with the defence. Have they this January done enough to sort it out? I think they needed to to find a different solution at the back for a while now. And Steve Bruce certainly wanted that last summer um, and doubtless before then as well. Have they done enough now? Um, I think the only way of answering that is by, by watching them over the next couple of months. I think they'll be better at the back, certainly. Um, but is it going to be enough? Um, I like to think that it is because, yeah, there was an improvement at Leeds. Trippier is going to be um, settling in more with all the qualities that he brings, not just 
with his ability, but also character and leadership and communication, which can only help. And target with his experience, 100 plus Premier League matches down either side. Um, and and burn at the back again. Look, he's experienced, he's 29, so he knows his way around. So I think they will be better now with these new signings. But yeah, you're right. The question is, is it going to be enough? But look, they're close to the safety line at the moment. They've, we've got about half of the season remaining. There are matches that they can win and pick up points. And they might not need to get even to 40 points this season. So it's well within their grasp and you know, they could have taken a huge leap forward with, with more signings, but they can take a big enough step uh, away from where they are with what they've done. So I think I do think it will be enough. How much of a difference is it going to make? Well, well, time will tell. On to Bruno Gomeres. He got an assist this week. Uh, he was playing for Brazil, and I'm sure you guys listening have probably seen it on, on Twitter and on social media. It was a, a very good assist. Started very, very deep and followed the play up into the box and put it across the box for the striker to, to put home. So a bit of um, insight into what's to come there, hopefully. Um, I mean, what a signing, Matthew. Just an unbelievable. And everyone who's listened to podcasts on this channel over the last few few days will have heard myself and every guest we've had absolutely raving about what a, what a coup it is to get him to Newcastle United. What's your thoughts on the signing? Oh, it's such an exciting signing, isn't it? And it's so nice to have a deal, a transfer and a player like that to, to enjoy and to feel genuinely excited about because, look, all new signings are welcomed. And I, I, I don't think there is the appetite and the thirst for new players at, at, at other clubs like there is at Newcastle among the fans, um, probably because there hasn't been the investment that's been needed for a long time. But we all know the reasons why. We don't need to go into that. But, um, you know, every new signing is, um, yeah, like I say, is welcomed. But this deal, I think the club deserve huge credit for getting it done, for being able to attract a player of his undoubted quality to the club and to be willing to part with a lot of money for him, um, you know, put that faith into him and, and into the recruitment and selection process. Um, and it's a key position in the team, isn't it? Going back to what we were saying earlier, central midfield. While individually they all bring something, the players that have been at the club prior to the January transfer window, uh, this man's going to give them something else. And he is going to, you would think, assuming everything goes the way that you expect, because he's such a good player, he's going to give them extra quality. And, you know, he'll help, I think, tighten things up in the middle. But as, you know, laying on a goal for Brazil, he can also play the ball forwards as well. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see. I've been reading a lot of reviews and reports and, and analysis um, of his play and quite what he'll bring. I think probably out of all of them, because we know the others, because they have Premier League experience, this is the most exciting one because there is still maybe that bit of um, mystery because he's new to the league. But it's a massive deal. It's a current Brazil or Brazilian international, which I think is, is nice as well. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic signing and... Um, 
well, the, the sort of big deal that, that, that excites supporters. And, and look, I'm sure it won't be the last one like that uh, in the years to come because um, that's the sort of level of player that, that they want. Yeah, 100%. We've got a special episode with French football expert Jonathan Johnson on the Everything is Black and White podcast where he introduces us to Bruno Gomeres, talks us through his attributes, his character, I believe he'll bring some fight and leadership to Newcastle United and, of course, uh, provides a bit of insight into why he thinks he's taken the gamble to join Newcastle when they are in the middle of a fight for survival. It's certainly going to be interesting, Matthew, what happens in the centre of the park in terms of who partners Gomeres. Who do you think is going to get the nod? Because we've seen Joe Linton come into his own in that position uh, throughout this season. We've seen John Joe Shelby. He started regularly under Eddie Howe. You know, you've got Sean Longstaff looking to get a new deal. So who's going to have the bit between his teeth? What's going to happen in the, in the centre of the park? Firstly, I guess it'll depend on, on Joe Linton's fitness after going off with the injury at Leeds and he didn't play in the match in Saudi Arabia, did he? So, um, you know, we'll await news on that. So initially, um, yeah, you would you would probably discount him unless we find out this week or, or on Monday that, that Joe Linton's fit. Um, Eddie Howe seems to really like Sean Longstaff and I thought he was good at Leeds. Certainly, um, his pressure that he put Leeds under and, and his work rate was uh, noticeably um, high and impressive and that's what you expect from every player but but it, I thought it was crucial in that game especially the way that Leeds um, play themselves probably should have scored as well at Elland Road but put one just wide John Joe Shelby I think along with Joe Linton has been the best player since Eddie Howe came in and um, no one's ever doubted Shelby's ability on the ball but Eddie Howe's getting more out of him as well. And it's really good to see. I've always liked him and I've always felt that he gets a bit of a hard time. Um, will that be the right blend in midfield? That's Shelby, the question, Joe, isn't it? Joe Linton and, and Bruno, yeah. Um, it's a difficult one. Oh, it's, it's very difficult. Yeah, and, and you know, with, we're forgetting Joe Willock, who um, I thought had a good second half at Leeds, but he's been in and out of the team and hasn't managed to reach the heights that he he hit last season in terms of goal scoring anyway. Um, so he has options with Isaac Hayden injured and unavailable at the moment as well. I'm not quite sure. I mean, who are the other two that he'll, that he'll put in there either side of of Bruno or, or, will, or will Shelby just sit deep and get the ball off the back four and then, and then play it around? I mean, well, that's the interesting point because our French football expert Jonathan Johnson describes Bruno as a deep lying midfielder yeah. who can create. So, do you then have two deep lying midfielders? Because essentially, Shelby has been playing that kind of quarterback role for quite a while now, just kind of sitting in front of the defence and then pinging the passes forward. But will that be, you know, too many buses in the in the park park and bay? Yeah, well, unless unless you play two of them a little bit deeper and then have Joe Linton just ahead of them. Um, and I mean, you're getting into the the four two three one territory, but that that's the way that Rafa Benitez used to have them set up at times, didn't he? With um, Modiame ahead of Shelby and Hayden, especially in the first season after promotion. Um, I think the fact that we can't settle on a on a clear formation shows that there are options both in terms of a system and and the players within it. 
it's more about the players, but you've got to have a system to get the best out of them. Um, and look, nothing will, will happen by accident. It will be by design and Eddie Howe will have an idea and a plan for how this is going to work. Um, and, and I think with, with there being so many new signings, I've used the word exciting a few times, but I think that is what's exciting. We don't know for certain how they're going to look. We know that there, there will be changes and it will be different in certain parts of the team. But it's really intriguing, isn't it? And um, yeah, looking forward to seeing quite what they do. But like we've said about the other players, Bruno's come into play and you spend that much money on an international footballer who is so very highly regarded, quite rightly, that you expect him to go straight in and then other players you know, fit around him. The, the positive thing, the really positive thing is that we're sitting here and we're not writing off John Joshavi. We're not writing off Sean Longstaff. We're not writing off no. Joe Willick or Joe Linton. We're, we're sitting here saying, well, actually, they've all got their own good elements of play. You know, some have been absolutely excellent since Howe has come in. So it's a really positive dilemma for Eddie Howe to make. And that team sheet come Everton on February the 8th is going to be really, really interesting to see. Um, we've got a question here from Ian and he asks, is there any news on the director of football? And do we think it would have made any difference in the January window had Newcastle had one? Well, at the time of recording this podcast, no. Um, and I'm not quite sure when we're going to hear something. You'll remember that Newcastle had uh, hired uh, an external recruitment firm to handle the process of bringing in a new director of football. And they're also looking for a new chief executive or a chief executive. Um, Lee Charney was managing director and then um, left the club at the end of last year. So actually, to go into a first transfer window, three months after acquiring the club, uh, all of them new to running a club, although Jamie Rubin had experience having been on the, a director at Queen's Park Rangers previously. Given the situation that Newcastle are in, in the league and the need for new signings, uh, but also the knowledge around football that Newcastle were going to move in the market, but had access to a lot of money. So all the challenges that it, that it brought, I think the new people in charge deserve huge credit for the way that they have conducted transfer business and, and everything that they have managed to achieve in the transfer window. And then you also have the added factor of it being the first window under Eddie Howe's management, only a couple of months after he was brought in. You know, it's not as if the new owners and Eddie Howe have had time to take a long run up to the transfer window because time has been short and there's been so much to sort out, um, whether it's the team itself and matters on the pitch for Eddie Howe and his staff or for the new owners, you know, taking a view of the club as a whole as they have been doing and will continue to do. And then obviously the managerial situation that they've had. And then I guess the lack of um, key personnel in, in those positions of director of football and chief executive. So um, Amanda Stavely, Murdoch, Gadusi, Jamie Rubin, um, those individuals from the Saudi Public Investment Fund and Steve Nixon, the head of recruitment and, and others beyond that. I think I think they've done um, quite a remarkable job, really, because, yeah, Newcastle may have felt in terms of personnel behind the scenes. Didn't have everything ready 
or didn't have everything lined up as they would have wanted to do for a hugely important transfer window. Yet they've been able to deliver five new signings, could have been more. They've been in for some quality players and um, you know, really done everything to give Eddie Howe the best chance of keeping the team up. And I think what we've ended up with is a much improved squad and a starting eleven that will be better as well and and they've addressed some of the key areas so i think it's important to you know to remember that this wasn't an easy transfer window for them for many reasons a lot of them that i've just given and i'm sure there'll be more besides those as well um but but i think they've done they've done a, a really really good job i think the fear from some was at the start of the window with no director of football like you there was a worry that there were too many cooks in the kitchen so to speak but what we've actually seen is it worked really well? So the communication between you know those on the board, Steve Nixon, Eddie Howe, Jason Tindall, obviously is, is very good, very strong, and that's a real positive note working forward. And obviously, in contrast to what we've had in previous years, where you know even when Steve Bruce went and knocked on the door, he didn't know well. He very rarely got what he wanted because I think it's important to note as well that a lot of the positions that they've improved here and signed players for, Steve Bruce wanted to go out and, and do the same, and he didn't get it, and that's you know. That's another point for another podcast, but it's really refreshing to see everyone working on the same page. I just um, say very, very quickly, I, I don't have a problem with there being a lot of people around, or certainly more people, because previously um, there just what just wasn't enough, was there, at boardroom level? And for all the criticism Lee Charnley uh, got, you know, he was largely on his own, and and I don't think that helped. And at least. This time there's been a team of people working all towards the same outcomes and end goals. So, yeah, they're all new to it, but um, I'm sure they've certainly learned a lot. But, but like I said, I, just, I think it's important to, um, you know, to give them credit because I certainly think that it's due. Oh, 100%. And imagine what they're going to do in the summer. You know, this is their first window. They're learning on their feet. Newcastle are, are in a quite a worrying position in terms of their their league status so if Newcastle survive um and say then they do go out and appoint a director of football with knowledge and, and know-how and in that time as well the likes of Amanda Staveley and Jamie Rubin uh, will have become even more experienced within the game you know all those elements will play very nicely into the summer and it's uh, I mean of course again if Newcastle survive it's a really exciting uh, period to look forward to very much so, yeah. Uh, the key is Premier League survival. Um, something that I think they are better equipped for, well, the challenge ahead because of the January window. And then, yeah, if they stay up, then, well, the possibilities are limitless, aren't they? Which is, which is a fantastic thing to say because we all just want the team to be better and to be successful whatever successful is but we want to all want Newcastle to move away from struggling at the bottom of the table which is where it's been for so long and and you know it's caught up with them this season in a big way and you know I think we all know why so um yeah the next four months are, are critical but if they stay up then well yeah I mean there might the summer might not be as uh, as, as wild as the January window was, they'll have more time to get things done and they'll have time to, to approach it and prepare for it in a, in a different way, um, unlike the January window. But yeah, it is just so exciting, isn't it? W what could be done in the summer and beyond?
And really good to see as well that, you know, the likes of Manor Stavely and the Public Investment Fund weren't just willing to pay the big bucks. You know, obviously they've signed Bruno for a lot of money, but you would say that's worth it when you look at, you know, his stats and when you talk to people about how he plays, you know, one of the highly held regard midfielders in Europe. But there were other players that were quoted ridiculous prices for. We saw with Diego Carlos that the prices kept going up and up and other players as well, and they just weren't willing to match that that price and i think that's a really good thing because the you know clubs the selling clubs think that newcastle have got this endless pot of money and it isn't necessarily the truth and they want to be sensible in their approach to improving the side so really good for me to see that you know they're not just saying yes here's the check yeah well they have to protect newcastle and newcastle's interests don't they and yes they need players and they need signings and money has been available to them but you're right they can't overspend on certain players and there comes a point where you have to say no and step away or move to other targets i mean in the end with diego carlos Sevilla came out and said that he, that he wasn't going to leave um and newcastle had obviously been trying to get that deal done for a while you know maybe they'd have been better off looking at other targets but if he was one of the players that they wanted the most then then why wouldn't they remain in for him and keep trying to do a deal so yeah I, th- I think you're absolutely right that if if then if they're not you know in previous times one thing that I guess the club did well in most cases was that they didn't pay over the odds and and while most of their um, recruitment policy was criticized, I think we always knew that they were trying to get the perfect deal and certainly good value for money, which they managed a lot of, you know, through through a lot of their signings. Um, and I guess it's good that this month, you know, that principle has still existed, that they don't want to be ripped off. So, um, yeah, you know, there they came a point where they, they had to walk away from certain things. And, and that shows that other clubs won't be able to take advantage of Newcastle and... and and the status that they have now and, and the finance that's that's available to them. We'll finish off just on players that could potentially miss out on being in the squad for the remainder of the season. You've mentioned Kieran Clark there. Jeff Henrik's headed to QPR. Um, what about the other players? Because Newcastle do need to shift a few players off the list. I mean, Isaac Hayden obviously out injured. Is he one you could potentially see um, removed from the list? Jamal Lewis is rumoured as well to not to be included in this squad, which I think would be a bit of a shame. But you know, they do need to make room for the players of sign. Yeah, well, uh, where Isaac Hayden's concerned, this is something we talked about on the radio um, last night because it might depend on how long he's going to be out for. And I think the information given uh, at the start of January by Eddie Howe was that it would be two months for Hayden. Um, It might be more than that, but that would take you into March. And they've signed a midfielder. But they've also lost Jeff Hendrick, who, while he didn't play, was was usually on the bench. So, And with Matty Longstaff going out on loan, and and he could have featured outside the 25-man squad because of his age, maybe um, Eddie Howe would, would keep Isaac Hayden in, even if he can't use him at the moment. There's also the fact that he has been able to play in more than one position. Um, I think that would be a really tough tough call to make uh, with Hayden, who has been 
one of the more important players over the last couple of years. But then you think Jamal Lewis as well, and I'd be really disappointed for him because his move to Newcastle hasn't gone as well as, as everyone was hoping. Had an impressive season at Norwich when they came up. We were all really pleased when Newcastle brought him in. Um, but yeah, last season didn't go so well. And then he had had a long spell out of the team I mean, from February to December. Um, Steve Bruce just didn't pick him at the end of last season and at the start of this one. And he only got back in, didn't he, when Matt Ritchie got suspended. Um, and I think that was it was Arsenal away, wasn't it? And then Lewis came in at the start of uh, December um, or at the very end of November. Um, and then he got injured. So he's been really unlucky. And if he misses out, I hope it isn't the end for him. Matt Target's only on loan. Um, you know, Paul Dummett's with his injury situation as well and contractual um, situation. We don't know what his long-term future will be. So I hope if Jamal Lewis misses out, it isn't the end. But I think it would be a big blow for him, another blow. Um, I, you know, beyond that, what do they do? I mean, there's Emil Kraft, who's in and out of the team. And some fans haven't taken to Kraft. Personally, I, I think you can see that he gives you everything that he's got. And he's not the flashiest of players. But at times, he's done a job for the team. And, he, and he's done it, he's done it well. Federico Fernandez, who we've already talked about, Steve Bruce wasn't picking him. Graham Jones overlooked him. And while Eddie Howe brought him on against Norwich, he's been injured as well. So there might be an argument there to say that he would be a player to miss out with Dan Byrne coming in, another central defender. Or do they even take out another player in Mark Gillespie, the third-choice goalkeeper, and go with Dan Langley from the academy as number three? So... Tough decisions, but these decisions are there to be made because they couldn't get any more players out on, on deadline day. But fair play to Jeff Hendrick, um, out of favour, um, someone who I think has underperformed at Newcastle. He was good for Burnley. Burnley fans rate him. Move hasn't worked out, but he's gone to play football. And, you know, you have to respect that, that he took the opportunity to leave and he's gone into a good situation at QPR as well, who are fighting for promotion from the championship. But if they'd been able to get a couple more out, Freddie Woodman going on loan as well to Bournemouth frees up another space, then maybe it wouldn't be such a, a tough decision. Yeah, it's certainly going to be an interesting one, isn't it? And that'll have to be, that list will have to be submitted, I think, before the end of this week, or certainly before the Everton game anyway, won't it? Um, so it'll be one to keep an eye on. Matthew, just to finish off then, the final question out of the five players Newcastle United have signed this January, who are you most looking forward to seeing? Uh, oh, I think still Kieran Trippier because he is top class and um, it was a really significant piece of business and it got them started in January and it made people take notice and take definitely take Newcastle uh, more seriously uh, if they weren't taking them seriously already. But then, yeah, Bruno Guimaraes, I mean, a huge transfer deal, but a player that we're all really excited about and looking forward to seeing. So, yeah, um, I hope he's involved against Everton. He's been on international duty, so he'll, he'll be arriving back, you know, in the coming days. And, you know, if, if he can settle in and, and they can get him in the team, um, uh, that will give the fans a lift, won't it, when, when the 
the 11 for the Everton game is published and it's a huge match and I think they need to win it. It would get them closer to Everton. It would draw them in a bit. Then you've got Aston Villa at home a few days later, which I think could, could be a tougher game because Villa have really improved under Steven Gerrard and made a load of signings themselves. Matt Target obviously won't be able to play in that one, will he? Because he's on loan from Aston Villa. Um, so they won't have all their, all their new signings for the Villa game. Everton have been busy as well, mind, and they've got good players and they've brought in a few good players, um, including a couple that Newcastle were linked to. So, yeah, it, it's a big couple of weeks ahead. The fixtures in February, they can definitely pick up points from them. But if they can start off with their new players against Everton by getting three points, then, well, you know, we'll all feel even better about their chances of staying up and... and yeah, and I've always felt that they would do it, but we're at the point now where they, they have to start doing it and the, the new signings um, will hopefully make a big difference immediately. Yeah, as you see, a huge few weeks coming up for Newcastle United and hopefully next time you join us on the Everything is Black and White podcast, Newcastle will no longer be looking down, but up and looking safe in the Premier League. You can catch Matthew over on BBC Radio Newcastle and on Total Sports on the radio station most nights. We'll bring you all our Newcastle United coverage live on chroniclelive.co.uk. Thank you very much for tuning in and please remember to like and follow the podcast to whichever provider you get it from.